0: So last week we talked about how God created us for relationship, that he formed us for fellowship, reflected in the the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Today I want to talk about the truth that is behind that truth, the thing that precedes the truth that we were built for relationship. So today's message is in, in a very real way a prequel to last week's. The God who created us for a relationship is himself a God of relationship. Makes sense, doesn't it? If he built us for a relationship, that he is a God of relationship. Now, people typically think of God as sort of the founder and CEO of the universe. And obviously, that, that's not completely wrong. It is absolutely true that he created the universe and sustains and runs the universe by his infinite power and wisdom. Our world and universe is at this very moment organized and held together by God's infinite power and intelligence, the sun's energy that is keeping us alive, the force of gravity which keeps us from falling off this spinning planet. Uh, It's all God's doing. It coheres. It is held together by his power. But in addition to being the God who created and sustains the universe, God, at, his, at the very core of his being, is a God who values and cherishes and seeks relationship with us. But before even before that, I want to think about the relationships among the members of the Godhead. We almost never talk about this, do we? Uh, There is one God who exists eternally in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in perfect relationship with one another. Of course they do. Of course they do. In perfect bliss and wonderful harmony. God lives in a relationship so good and pure and perfect that we don't have any reference points for it. Doesn't that make sense? Uh, All... Our relationships are damaged and encumbered by the fact that we're sinners and we often relate to one another in sinful ways. You ever had a bad argument with your spouse or with somebody else? Uh, Ever yelled at your kids? Ever yelled at your parents? Talked back to your parents? Have you ever been rude or thoughtless or arrogant or unforgiving? We often relate to one another in sinful ways because we're sinners. Sinful pride and selfishness and egotism are a part of all of our relationships. Can't get around that. We're sinners. Um, We all sin in many ways, the Bible says. If you have trouble getting a handle on this concept, just go online and look at uh, an article on a very political subject and then go down to the comments at the bottom of the page. If you have any trouble getting a grasp on the fact that we're sinners and relate to each other in sinful and selfish ways. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to one another perfectly. There's never any jealousy or competition or bitterness or strife. There's only perfect love and unity. And so Jesus said things like this, I and the Father are one, John chapter 10 and verse 30. Jesus told his disciples, "If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love." John 15:10. Again, Jesus told his disciples, "I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever." The Spirit of Truth, John 14, 16 and 17. Now, that's just a sampling of the passages on the subject, but you get the idea. There's a relationship among the members of the Godhead, and it is a perfect, uh, unblemished relationship, unfettered by sin. Everybody gets that, right? We're all in agreement on that. Of course, the relationship among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has to be perfect because God is perfect. Um, Now, I want us to spend the rest of our time thinking about how God relates to us. God's a relation God god, of re, god is a god of relationship, right? God is a god who values, cherishes and seeks relationship with us. God loves us beyond description and beyond our wildest imagination and he deeply desires a relationship with us and let we should personalize this. God deeply desires a relationship with you, Deborah. And with you, Tammy, with you, Steve, God deeply desires a relationship with me, each one of us. Um, That's a big chunk of the story of the Bible in just one sentence. Much of the story of the Bible. God loves us with an incredible love and deeply desires a relationship with each one of us. He loves you more than your mama loved you or your daddy loved you or your spouse loved you or anybody else in the whole world. Whoever it is in the whole world who loves you the most, God loves you way more. God loves you enough to die for you. God created at the beginning Adam and Eve. For a relationship with himself, and he put them in this garden paradise of Eden, and he walked with them and met all of their needs, and they lived in intimate communion with him, and God served them out of love. Didn't take Adam and Eve long to start messing everything up, though, did it? Is that fair to say? Not being unfair at all. And after Adam and Eve sinned, you remember what happens God comes to Adam, who's hiding from God, he thinks he can hide from God. Adam's hiding, God comes to him and he asks him, "Adam, where are you?" And you remember Adam's afraid because he's sinned, and he- at that point he- re, he's eaten from the tree, he realizes he's naked. Where are you, Adam? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Of course, God already knew the answers to all of his questions. He knows the answers to all questions. But, but God is not seeking information. God's seeking Adam. God goes in search of Adam, his beloved, a, a beloved son of his, to mend their relationship that has been torn apart and ripped apart by human rebellion. Later, Adam and Eve's son Cain is jealous of his brother Abel and murders him. God go, Again, God is a God who searches for his lost children. God goes in search of Cain and he asks him, Cain, where's your brother Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? Where's your brother Abel? You remember, Cain is evasive and he doesn't want to answer God's question. Uh, Again, God knows the answer to his question. God is working toward getting Cain to confess his sin and put it on the table and be real and, and honest with God so the relationship can be mended. And so it goes. The people rebel again and again and disobey God and damage their relationship with Him. In the Old Testament, He sends the prophets with a, uh, a comeback message to them come home. In the New Testament, He sends apostles to the people um, come back to God, be faithful to Him. He loves you, He hates this rebellion that damages your relationship with Him. He wants you back. He sends prophets, He sends apostles. But ultimately, most importantly, he sends his son. Does not, even, does not spare even him. That's how much he values relationship with his people. He even sends his son. That's how much he values relationship with you. And in, the entire Bible tells the story of this God who is so loving. But even more than that, Scripture says it even, even more simply and more directly than God is loving— the Bible says God is love, not just God is loving. Because love is so central to his nature, the Bible can just make that bald statement God is love. And there are some stories that in the Bible that we love that describe this God of love so powerfully and profoundly that we just keep coming back to him over and over again. How many times in church have you heard the story of the prodigal son? probably have lost count. Well, there's a reason for that. The story of the prodigal son, who was so heartless that he told his father, give me my inheritance now. In other words, I don't want to have to wait until you die. It's my money, and I want it now. And he left his father, and he blew his money on wild living. And when the son is flat broke, busted, hungry, desolate, A Jewish boy, after all, this is a Jewish man telling a story to a Jewish audience. This Jewish boy who finds a job slopping the hogs. This Jewish boy who finds a job slopping the hogs and he's so desperate he wished that he could eat the food that he was feeding the pigs. He comes back to his father just hoping to be a hired hand, just hoping to get a job because he says, "My my dad's hired hands have it better than I have it. So he makes his way home. And his father surprises him, hired hand. Son, we're having a party. My son is back. It's as if he was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. We keep coming back to these stories again and again for a reason. Because they describe a God who deeply desires relationship with his children. The woman at the well who the people looked at as a five-time loser. But Jesus saw her as a beloved daughter of God who needed her father the thief on the cross, who had absolutely thrown his life away on sin and crime. Here he was at the 11th hour. We'll pass that. It's 11.59 p.m. and he's begging for forgiveness. Uh, Even though he had thrown his life away on crime and had nothing left to offer, Jesus loved him anyway. So we always remember Jesus' words, today you will be with me in paradise. The next story is not so well known, but I think it It elegantly illustrates God's love and his desire for relationship. It was God's will that the prophet Hosea married a woman, Gomer, who was repeatedly unfaithful. And this was God's will because the prophet's life was to become a living parable, revealing God's relationship with his adulterous people, Israel. So God says, in other words, I'm like a jealous husband and you, Israel, are an unfaithful bride but I want you to come back to me. God says through the prophet, and now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start all over again. I'm taking her back out into the wilderness where we had our first date, and I'll court her. I'll give her bouquets of roses. I'll turn Heartbreak Valley into Acres of Hope. She'll respond like she did as a young girl those days when she was fresh out of Egypt. That's Hosea 2, verses 14 and 15 from the message translation by the way sometime do yourself a favor and read the entirety of hosea 2 out of the message translation if you don't own that bible uh, if you don't have a copy of it you can just get on BibleGateway.com and and look it up on that website uh, it's a little graphic but that's how god had it written but it powerfully uh, tells the story of god's passionate love for his people Maybe I left out your favorite passage, and so I'll ask this not a rhetorical question. There are many, many Bible passages that teach this truth just how much God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. Do you have a favorite uh, Bible story or Bible passage that you'd like to share today? Curtis does. Forgave his brothers, and they were at the table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I, just, I can visualize every bit of that in him forgiving his brothers, because what they meant for harm, God did forgive. Yes, it's a very powerful story, isn't it? And and Joseph's forgiving nature is but a dim reflection of God's awesome forgiveness for us. Uh, Someone else, you have a favorite Bible story or Bible passage that reminds you of God's love? the the story of david rejoicing in god's forgiveness after he'd committed uh, adultery and murder um and it is it is very beautiful psalm 51 yes okay i thought someone like john 3:16 it's a uh, Favorite Bible passage for a lot of folks. Um, now you know what it's like to be up here and you're sort of in the spotlight. <laughs> it's not always easy, is it? So I want to I want to close with three final points. Down through the years, some people have said to me, "You know, God's given up on me. My life is too messed up." Not true. Now, obviously, there are a few certain people that the Bible talks about whose consciences are seared and who are so adamantly against God that they'll never turn to him. Granted, that's true. But if you care at all about your relationship with God, God hasn't given up on you. Even if your life has become messed up, very messed up, God doesn't give up on his sons and daughters, his beloved sons and daughters, just because their lives have been messed up. He's a much better father than that and much more forgiving and merciful. God hasn't stopped loving you. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants all of his sons and daughters who are lost to come home. And he's working to bring them home. So you can't say God's given up on me because my life's too messed up. Secondly, since God loves us and passionately wants a relationship with us, we ought to value our relationship with him it's only right Uh, keep the lines of communication open Uh, pray 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 drink deeply from the word and jettison anything that is getting in the way of this primary relationship any sin that's hindering it value the relationship just like God values it third and finally we should value other people's relationships with God because God certainly does God, if God cares about his relationship with them, we ought to care about his relationship with them, right? So encourage people in their relationship with Christ. People who are believers, encourage them. People who are not yet believers, um, reach out to them with God's love. Value other people's relationships with God because we're trying to adopt God's values and he certainly cares about their relationship. That's what was on my heart to share with you this morning. Uh, Now we're going to stand and sing the song of encouragement. Uh, You can come to the front if you have a need on your heart. Let's stand, please.